the hot take round. The, t- the Toe Tap Tuesday. The Wildcat Wednesday. Thirsty Thursday. That really has nothing to do with football, but you know. Did we abandon Wiretap Wednesday from last week where for some reason we were doing Ooh. a bank heist? Yeah, Wiretap Wednesday is good. I think I like Wildcat Wednesday because this would be like you're, you know, you're trying to run an actual play and I just walk away from behind the center pretending I don't know what I'm doing. All of a sudden, boom, hike the ball. Quarterback's oh, that's, receiver. That's uh, that Adam Sandler any given... No, not any given Sunday. Longest Yards. Yeah, that's longest with Burt Reynolds. I watched any given Sunday recently. I haven't seen it in years. But, okay, so there's a lot wrong great, with that film. Great football. Great football. <laughs> great great actually, movie. Great football. The football in it isn't that bad compared to other movies, the actual football being played. But there's one scene. They're doing this montage, you know, a very stylish montage. And there's four of them standing out, uh, taking a piss at the urinal. And they're all wearing towels. And it clips away to like any of the Willie Beam and whatever, and then it clips back, and they just don't have towels anymore. I'm like, wait, what? What? What, what is the point Got of this? Rid of Got rid of them. But why did these same four people? That's the rule in life, though. Your towel can go away at any time. That's what they teach you. I, uh, you, I, you, I can, na- you can be naked at any time. You have no idea what I've got on waist below. You did promise to be naked for this podcast this week, by the way. Oh shit! I did. All right. <laughs> I'll turn the camera off. All right, I'm Zach Harper. He's Kean Fahi. Uh, you know, I talk about NBA and then I annoy listeners apparently with the. Uh, hey, there was one really good review of you this week. I think it was suspiciously well written. So it obviously yeah. wasn't you. No, it wasn't me. Uh, here's the thing that I just got, like I know it's a new podcast, and we're just trying to figure out how things go and. We're trying to figure out kind of the rhythm and how we want to shape this and everything. We've changed a lot, you know, since we started this a couple months, a month ago. When did we start this? Like a month and a half ago? Month? I can't remember when we started this. But we've changed a lot already. And, and there are going to be some listeners who are unhappy with the changes, some listeners who are unhappy with me. Like, well, why is this guy talking? He, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing. My message to you is just like, as we're trying to figure out the voice of this, uh, kiss my ass. I'm on the podcast. There's nothing you can do about it. So, how about that? Damn it. I, it. I was hoping you were going to give something serious and I could just turn around and go, my, my message is go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> this is a really bad combination. We're supposed to have one, like, we're supposed to have someone who can be, no. as, as Amin says, your podcast would have yeah. died without Jade. Not for the fact that Jade does a lot of work, but because Jade can be the face of it and deal with everyone, whereas you guys are just assholes like me. We've got two assholes. We right. need someone who's nice. No, we don't. Why do we need someone who's nice? Yeah. It's football. You idiots don't know what the hell you're talking about. We don't know what we're talking about, and we're just picking games. And you know what? Actually, for this pick and pick them, I'm trending upwards. I, was... I am trending upwards because four weeks ago, four picks right. Two weeks ago, uh, six picks right. Two weeks or the week after that, six picks. This week, seven picks. That's a that's an ascension. Who knows? This week, I may get eight. I may get ten. I may get all fourteen correct. You're, ascend- you're ascending as fast as the Houston Texans. You're about mediocre whoa, right now. Whoa, whoa. Hey, that's all right. I've been the Oakland Raiders for the last few weeks. You said nobody knows what to talk about in football. I am number one in that category. Yeah. Oh, that's what I heard on the internet. I heard that a, a lot, lot of, of places. Uh, a lot of Philadelphia fans. You guys are idiots, by the way. Just what a bunch of dummies. <laughs> uh, speaking of dummies, let's pick. Let's pick games. We're going to start with Thursday night on Fox. Fox is getting a Thursday night game. Denver Broncos at your Arizona Cardinals. The Broncos are two and a half point favorites. I want to note, by the way, just because you mentioned Fox, and I'm used to seeing Joe Buck do all these games. I assume he's not going to be because there's like some American sports I don't understand being played right now. Um, I was watching the... Oh, we're probably going to get to it. I'm, I was watching the Bears and the Dolphins game, and they had a black announcing crew, all black. I've never okay. seen that before. Well, I, think, I don't know that I've ever seen that. I think Gus Johnson and Charles Davis probably did it before. But one of them was uh, Greg Jennings. And Greg Jennings has uh, kind of a reputation as being kind of a salty, uh, selfish guy because he said stuff about Aaron Rodgers after leaving Green Bay. And then he was disliked in Minnesota and in Miami. But he was really, really, really good. He was balanced. He was picking up things that I didn't really see when I was watching it. He was recalling to prior plays that had set up other plays. And I was kind of hoping, like, if Joe Buck and Aikman aren't doing this game, they probably are just because it's such a big deal for Fox, even though the baseball season is on. If they're not doing this game, I hope that guy is, because people will enjoy him as much as they enjoy Tony Romo. Anyway, let's get to these Arizona Cardinals. 
Uh, I was really impressed with the Cardinals on Sunday. Well, not really impressed. I was really impressed with Josh Rosen on Sunday. Uh, he's wearing... I mean, you shut up. This is why, I mean, he had, this is he why had, people don't like Q, you. He had a QBR of 20. He had a, he had a rating of 77.4. He threw an interception, no touchdowns. I mean, he, was, he lit it up. I was really impressed by Josh Rosen. Do you think so. he can win the MVP as a rookie? Is that, is that in play? All right, sorry, go. Like This is why people don't like you. I know. That's why I'm doing it. <laughs> Josh, Rosen opened the game with a really nice deep ball on a deep crossing route. He led the ball outside Harrison Smith. It set up a field goal. It was a field goal rather than a touchdown because he was confused by a blitz. That's a normal thing for a rookie. But the Vikings kind of just ran the ball way straight back down the, down the field on the defense. They did it all day. Cousins had issues or whatever. But Rosen had this other play early in the game where, again, it was another deep throw where Harrison Smith was working against, I think it was the tight end, Ricky Seals-Jones. And Ricky Seals-Jones releases from the left side and he's working what looks like it's going to bend into a, just a, a route straight on the middle of the field. And Harrison Smith starts outside of him, so he's on his back as he's moving downfield. But then Jones breaks his route off to a corner route, and this puts Harrison Smith in a position where his back is to the quarterback and he has no way of turning his head around and finding the ball. Now, when you hear announcers and, anal- and analysts, you can't say and analysts, it's difficult, and analysts complaining that defensive backs don't turn their heads around it's because it's really, really, really difficult. And so what Josh Rosen did in this yeah, situation... Just, just turned around right here. Yeah, now, while I'm talking, can you take your earphones up, get up and sprint from one side of the room to the other while looking the other direction? I think you know you, I don't sprint. I think, <laughs> <laughs> if there's a three-point shot at the end of it, you might do it. Um, so the so Harrison Smith is running with his body tight to the, tight to the tight end, and his eyes oh, not looking at the quarterback. And Josh Rosen recognizes this, even though it's deep down the field. So this is about forty yards away. He sees that Harrison Smith is not set up to catch the ball or to react to the ball in the air. So normally on a corner route, you want to throw it in front of the the receiver, your intended receiver, your tight end. In this instance, you want him to be able to run towards the sideline, catch it, and move away from the coverage. But because Rosen recognizes where Harrison Smith is, he puts the ball on the inside shoulder of his tight end. This means that, one, the only, only his tight end has a chance to catch the ball. So Harrison Smith is expecting the ball to go outside. He's not expecting it to be on the inside shoulder. Two, if, if the tight end doesn't catch the ball, the more likely result is that Harrison Smith is a defensive pass interference because he's not able to look at the ball. He's going to block the body, and where the ball is positioned, it's going to bring the tight end back into the It just runs right into the, into the receiver, right? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. So that instance, Rosen showed you an understanding of coverage, an understanding of how to put the ball in a very specific spot, not just to throw to a receiver generally and hope he catches the ball. Yeah. What was that understanding like when he threw the interception? Was that a... I mean, I don't know. I, he's a rookie. Do you like? Are you the guy who, when Steph Curry goes zero for four or zero for five, or like, why does he keep shooting trees? No, because he's the greatest shooter of all time. Yeah, Josh Rosen is the greatest quarterback of all time. Whoa! Clip that. There's some promotion. Send that to Philadelphia. <laughs> you can be certain that if you were the one in charge of the video of this podcast, I would be not saying these things. But I am in charge of the video for this podcast, so that will not be clipped. Um, I like. Uh, I obviously like the Broncos in this matchup. I liked a lot of what they did against the Rams last week. Uh, you know, my Rams stayed undefeated, which is great. We can talk about that in a little bit. But uh, but I just they, their secondary was really good. Um, I love the way they kind of covered. Uh, you know, Jared Goff's options and and you know rushed him a little bit. Obviously, they couldn't stop the run, and so maybe David Johnson can. You know, he's not Todd Gurley. Maybe he can have a a big game in in this week and kind of take advantage of of that. But in terms of what they did offensively, I mean, I, I can't believe they couldn't run against – I mean, they barely even tried to run against against the Rams. And that that was confusing to me just from a game call, a game planning you know, scenario. That's been an issue for them. Vance Joseph's – it's Mike McCoy. I can't remember who the offensive coordinator is there off the top of my head. But the, the coaching staff there has been not understanding what their talent is. But my main takeaway watching that Broncos game is just, fuck John Elway. He just – he can't – Pick quarterbacks. He's the Case Keenum's bad. Like he's bad. He's not even. It's not even a case of a case of. It's not even a case of Keenum being able to have this specific skill set and he's being used proper or he's not being used properly. He's just not good and he hasn't ever right. been good enough. He was lucky last year. And I watched that game and it was like the Broncos have everything, everything to counter the Rams, and they just don't have a quarterback. And Keenum just killed them. And they're like, yeah. you can go back to the early play. All right, so. 
Keenum drops a decent ball over the top. Actually, it's a good ball over the top to Emmanuel Sanders. Sets them up at the one-yard line. Sanders thinks he's got the touchdown because he falls into the end zone. And he does a taunting penalty, which is dumb. And then the touchdown gets overturned. So now they're 15, 20 yards back. Or roughly 15, 15 yards back from the end zone. They end up taking a field goal. That's a big thing early in the game. And it's obviously Sanders' fault. But it's also a kind of thing of, hey, other teams can make these kind of mistakes. And then the quarterback will make up for it. Whereas with the Broncos, every single person around him has to be perfect. And even if they're still perfect, they still might not win the game. That said, yeah. like the Cardinals, this, this Thursday night game is not an easy pick for me. I'm going to go with the Broncos just because I feel like that defense could swarm on, on, uh, on, on Rosen. And you talk about David Johnson. Like I love Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley's amazing and he was phenomenal last week. He's one of the best players in football, despite all the people who don't want to give credit to running backs. But David Johnson isn't going to get set up the same way that Cod Gurley gets set up. Right. So it's going to make it easier for this defense to just close in and collapse on him. Yeah, and I think, I mean, Von Miller's just going to be in the backfield all day. I yeah. don't know. I don't know how they stop that. Uh, uh, Bradley Chubb broke out last week, too. That, that yeah, was a really was good play. Yeah. He was great. Yeah, he was really good. And uh, so he, we're both taking the Broncos. Yeah, and Brad, Bradley Chubb is going to get to go against DJ Humphreys, who has been usually inconsistent. Uh, first game on Sunday Tennessee Titans. Are at the Los Angeles Chargers. This is in London. Is it? This is it a London game? I don't uh, know. It's, it's nine thirty a.m. So I assume so. Yeah, it's a super early game. So Titans at in. Chargers. Chargers are six and a half point favorites. Uh, I don't like this Titans team at all. I don't like what's happening with Marcus Mariota. I don't like anything that's happening. But I still think they just play a bunch of close games. Like I don't know how the Chargers pull away in this one. So I'll I'll take the points with the Titans. Yeah, I I thought the Titans were going to kind of get better as the season went along. But now that Richard Matthews is gone, now that Delaney Walker is out, it's very clear that they don't have the receiver talent to run an effective offense. So I went through those 11 sacks that Mariota had on Sunday. A lot a lot of this is Ravens defense. 11? Did you not know that? 11? He had 11. That's crazy. No, I, I knew it on the day, but I had forgotten. And so to hear it again, like... That's insane. You shouldn't get hit 11 times, he had ele- let alone sacked 11 times. <laughs> he had 11 sacks and 10 completions. The last time that's happened, it was Jay Cutler in 2010 behind that Bears line that nearly got him murdered. So oh. one of the things I saw this week was PFF talking about who was responsible for each sack. And the problem there is they were talking about the quarterback, the offensive line, and that's pretty much it. The running back, the pass blocker, the tight end, pass blocking. The big issue here was more the play calling matching up with the coverages. So you have... There are so many sacks, it's hard to just boil down to one thing, so I have to talk about a few different things. But the main sure. issue was the Ravens knew that those receivers couldn't beat them, so they were aggressive on them, and they just kind of clamped them down. And then when Mariota also had situations where they were doing a brilliant contain rush. So a contain rush is something you would have seen on Monday Night Football from the 49ers, where they're pass rushing and they're trying to close the pocket around the quarterback, but no one's flying off the edge, no one's being really aggressive up the middle because they don't want to create space for the quarterback to move around and then have an option to scramble. Against Mariota, you obviously want to do that. They did that brilliantly because they were able to close the pockets very, very quickly on Mariota. So he's basically in this situation where his receivers aren't getting open quickly and the pockets closed around him already, so he's got to try and run and create outside of the pocket. But one of the other issues was they would get them in third and long, and this is something I actually kind of like about the Titans' offense, but it just worked against them in this game, in this situation. When they get into third and long situations, they are aggressively going after a first down. So, if you, again, if you watched Monday Night Football, you saw the, the screen design with the wide receiver screen, him coming from the left and the three guys blocking the, on the other side. That's a normal play that every team has. And it's a play that works and it gets you yardage back and you're going to lead to a punt, but you're not going to get a first down. The Titans don't do that. The Titans, when they hit ter- third and 13, third and 16, third and 17, they go to like six, seven-man protections and have vertical routes. They were doing that, and the Ravens adjusted their coverage, kind of disguised their coverage, and were able to cover the initial receivers. And what would happen then is Mariota has to hold the ball, and he's to hold the ball by design. But once those vertical routes are covered, and they're well covered by Eric Weddle and Tony Jefferson, both were phenomenal in this game, they're covered, and suddenly Mariota has only three receivers deep downfield, and everyone else is pass blocking. A normal quarterback in a normal offense has a check down, and he gets five, six yards, doesn't get sacked. But when they're so aggressive in pursuit of these first downs, they're going to lead to sacks. But it's a better thing to do because you might get half half the time you might get a first down. That's how they beat the Eagles a couple of weeks ago on those late drives. They were aggressive going for it in longer down in distances. So I'm pretty much in favor of them continuing doing that. They will have games like this where the opposition defense is just so good that they can't hold up and they're going to have six, seven, eight sacks. Who do you like in this game? (laughs) 
<laughs> oh yeah, there's a game to pick. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I like the Chargers to win. I just I don't I don't know about them winning winning by a touchdown, right? Yeah, six and a half, especially traveling. They're coming from a further distance than the Tennessee Titans are. Um, other thing I'll just touch on quickly. The Chargers beat the Browns. They did so with Philip Rivers in a complimentary role. Melvin Gordon was really good. The running game was really good, but Philip Rivers wasn't great himself. So that might be an issue. This could be a game where a turnover, like an interception fumble, is, is kind of the big change. And on that field in Wembley, it's a lot slicker than other ones. So you, you've kind of seen that with a couple of teams playing so far this year. Uh, well, actually, it's only been one this year, but in, in recent years, you've seen it. I've obviously watched Wembley games a lot more than everyone else soccer. So that, that was what was in my head. Uh, I'm probably going to take the Chargers, but I'm not really that confident in it. I could very easily see the Titans winning this game. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll take the points. I still think the Chargers win, but I'll, I'll take the points from the Titans. Uh, ooh, this is a real barn burner in the making. The Buffalo Bills are at the Indianapolis Colts. Colts are six and a half point favorites. It's not just a barn burner in the making. It's a Nate Peterman game. Oh, man. Nate Peterman time at the end of that game. So this is a great thing. So you know how like the internet's just always waiting for someone to get something wrong so that they can roast them, right? Really? That's so never I, happened to me before. I don't know what you're talking you would about. Never, you would never, like, yeah, maybe you're not familiar, but some of us on the internet go through this. So as soon as the, as soon as, uh, the bills go down and, and Peterman's going to get the ball back with, I don't know, it was like three minutes ago or some shit like that, uh, I tweet out Peterman time. And immediately he throws an interception for, for a pick six. And people are like, oh, cold takes exposed, cold takes exposed, which get out of here tweeting that account. But oh, cold takes exposed, all this shit. And I'm like, do you not understand what Peterman time means? Peterman time means he's going to throw a pick six. Like that is always what it means. Like he is guaranteed. Like I would have bet anything. I would have bet my dog's life. I would have bet my life. I would have bet anything I own that Peterman was going to throw an interception. Maybe not a pick six, but an interception on that exact drive. I love that your dog's life is more valuable than your own life. I know what I'm worth. It ain't that much. <laughs> um, actually, by the way, on that cold takes exposed thing, do I get to go back and get all those Derek Carr ones from a few years ago that they caught me on and uh, cold takes exposed him? I don't know. I don't really care. Uh, yeah, but, is, that, is, that, is that a colder, colder takes? Cold, cold takes revisited. You should talk. You should start cold takes revisited. That sounds That's like a start. monumental waste of my time. Um, the Bills are obviously terrible. Led Peterman starting. Let's just talk about the Colts. Uh, Andrew Luck looks quite good, and I know people don't want to hear that because the way the team is, and you don't want to hear it because you're just a troll. But the this week they had seven drop passes. Two of those led to interceptions. One of them lock cost him a touchdown. He also had two interceptable passes. One of them was dropped. So. He wasn't perfect, he had his issues, but he was throwing the ball into tight windows deep downfield. But there's one play I really want to talk about in this game, and it's the drop touchdown. The, so this league right now, everyone's spreading everything out. You're getting wide receivers outside, you're getting two slot receivers. Like Sean McVay is doing everything possible to pull defenses apart by laying guys up wide. At the goal line, Frank Reich, who is another one of these Andy Reid, Doug Peterson, Eagles assistants, who's become a head coach. He did this thing where, that I haven't seen, I don't think I've ever seen anyone, anyone do before. So you have five offensive linemen directly in the middle of the field. You have a tight end spit out in, like right next to your tackle, but standing up like a wide receiver. You have a tight end on the other side doing exactly the same thing. Your quarterback's under center. You've got three guys in the backfield, one running back right in the middle, and two other um, running backs or fullbacks out, outside of it. So when the ball is snapped, the defense is kind of crowding around because everything is in the middle of the field. All five eligible receivers are in the middle of the field. The the guys on the outside in the backfield, so the two, the first guy and the third guy of the tree, they go into each flat. They pull the defense apart. The tight ends, they run short curl routes, so they're three yards upfield right on the line of scrimmage. So or right on the, the goal line. So all, all four, the four guys are on the goal line, stretching everything out. The linebackers have both tight ends covered. The safeties have the tight ends covered. The cornerbacks have been running out to the running backs. Everyone forgets about the running back. The guy who was right behind Luck. He comes right up the middle, has a curl, stands on the goal line, and has a perfect pass from Luck. But Nyheim Hines, who's actually been one of their more reliable players this year, drops the ball. But the design of that was fucking phenomenal. Because normally the teams go to get to this point, the one-yard line, two-yard line, three-yard line, or whatever, and they go to these heavy packages and they just try and run the ball right up the middle. The Cardinals did it against the Vikings and Xavier Rhodes, a cornerback made a tackle in the backfield because he didn't have anyone to cover outside. But when Reich did it... He did it with a bunch of skilled position players, and he did it by pulling the defense apart horizontally. There isn't a vertical option because you're in the red zone, the end zone only goes so far. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful design because everyone was occupied except the guy they wanted to throw the ball to. Did they need to bring in Jacoby Brissett to throw such a far pass in that situation? I'm taking the close. Um, Man, I mean, I can't, I can't in good faith take the Bills, right? 
I mean, it's Nathan Peterman on the road. That's a great point. All right, Colts it is. I'll lay the points. Next game, New England Patriots at the Chicago Bears. Ooh, this might be a game of the week. This might be a great one. Uh, Patriots are three and a half point favorites. So the yeah, that's that's a weird line considering the way their seasons have gone. But I understand it because it's Tom Brady. Um, I think the big thing here is how healthy is Khalil Mack because Khalil Mack had no pass rush in that game against the Dolphins. He might have been a part of that game plan, might have been a part of that, whatever. But he also early in the game went into the medical tent, and I believe there is a scan happening this week. So some some sort of evaluation is being made. If he's fully healthy. This Bears defense is going to be a big problem for the Patriots because they're going to be able to get pressure on them. The other side of that is the Bears secondary probably won't be able to tackle any of the Patriots, so their receivers are going to be pretty good. But we've got another Kansas City Chiefs-style scheme coming into this office, coming into this game. And for as much as Mitch Trubisky has struggled, the offense there has worked perfectly as designed because guys are open all the time and he's getting good pass protection. And the big key for the Bears offense last week was that Trubisky, he played all right. He played like he played... Better than he had for the first three weeks of the yeah, season. Yeah, he had some. He had some mistakes. Like he wasn't great, but I didn't think he was an issue for them. He had like one kind of egregious bad play at the end that was dropped an interception, and but then he threw a touchdown to Anthony Miller after. But the, thing, the key there, he was he was better than he had been the first three weeks, and worse than he was the, like when he threw the six touchdowns or whatever. But he ran the ball. He had a couple of big plays running the ball, and against this Patriots defense, I feel like they're going to stretch them out horizontally. They're going to set up their vertical deep shots. And it's going to be another kind of similar game to this Chiefs game. I think the Chiefs are better than the Patriots, but or I think the Chiefs are better than the Bears, rather. But the Chiefs are on the road. It was a primetime game. This is a one o'clock game. Bears at home. I think the Bears might win this game, and I've kind of taken the points. Mm. Um, I don't. I just feel weird going against the Patriots. I know they're not the Patriots of old, but like I, they just find these dumb ways to win games. I mean, sure, but they're also four and two. It's not like they're five and one or six and zero, and they've lost. Or, or three and three, or two and four, or be- one and five, or zero oh and six. But I, I also, I also believe their two losses have come on the road, if I'm not mistaken. So one to the Jaguars and one to the Lions. So the Bears, like the Bears, are in this I weird think- place where it feels like their whole team is playing relatively well, and they're just waiting for the quarterback to kick on, and then they'll become one of the very best teams of the league. Yeah, I agree. I think. I, look, Trubisky's not a rookie, obviously, but I think that a younger Actually, quarterback like that... He, he, he basically is a rookie because he's only played like 25 games total of, since high school. <laughs> All right, that's true. He played nine uh, in college and he's played, what, 13 since? Yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I'm i going to go Patriots just because against a young quarterback, obviously, they're very good. But uh, but I do think I think it's going to be a phenomenal game. Big, big key in this game as well, and you saw it last week against the Dolphins, Tariq Cohen... Uh, and Taylor Gabriel, two guys who yeah. want to be tough matchups for them. They're going to obviously focus on taking Allen Robinson and Trey Burton out of the game. But Tariq Cohen is, has been phenomenal this year. And they're at a point now, like Jordan Howard was good in overtime, but they're at a point now where Tariq Cohen is quite clearly the better running back there over Jordan Howard. And I really like Jordan Howard, so I did not expect to be saying this at this point of the season. Yeah, I, I, it's not like, it, I mean, obviously this is probably a lazy comparison because they're just small guys, but it is sort of that whole Darren Sproles thing, right? Where like, whatever his usage is, Tariq Cohen's usage should be higher. Yeah, he's um, he's different to Sproles in the sense that he's not as strong as Sproles, but it's very right. much, it's the same thing. It's He's a mismatch against linebackers, he can run option routes, he can line up outside, or he can come in the backfield and do everything you want him to do. Yeah, exactly. All right, Cleveland Browns at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucks are three and a half point favorites. Uh, I don't like this Bucks team at all. Am I, the I don't only like one? him without Fitzmagic. <laughs> that was the key for you. That, yeah, they're just not interesting to me without Fitzmagic. That Conor McGregor, cheap Conor McGregor lookalike. Yeah. Um, how, how do you think he feels like those shots of him wearing the jacket now that he sat down on the bench by Jameis freaking Winston? What's he making a year? Huh? Is he making good money? Too much. He's made a yeah. lot in his career. Um, right, I think he's doing all right. Am I the only one who just finds this game completely uninteresting? I know Baker Mayfield's there, but he has no receivers and he's hurt. Uh, but the Buccaneers as a whole, like they just fired Mike Smith and that's not going to change anything because their defense just doesn't have enough talent. And the offense has a lot of talent but doesn't have a quarterback. So I'm taking the Bucs minus three and a half just because... The Browns' offense is probably going to be a mess, and they won't be able to take advantage of the Buccaneers' defense. And I think it'll be a low-scoring game. Browns' defense is really good. Miles Garrett is a freak. 
So if, if you watched that Chargers game last week, Miles Garrett was just yeah. everywhere. He's just yeah. phenomenal. Like I don't, I don't think Peyton Barber is going to do what Melvin Gordon did last week, no. right? Like yeah. it's not the. So I don't think you're going to have the. Like, I'm, I'm going to take the Browns with the points. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if the Bucks won this game, but I just think it's going to be decided by a field goal. Yeah, and a big key to what Gordon did last week was the creativity of Anthony Lynn, who is a Rex Ryan disciple as a, as a head coach and likes to do a lot of diverse running uh, play calls, whereas the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are just kind of going to line up and try and run over you the way too many yeah. NFL teams do. Detroit Lions at the Miami Dolphins. The Lions are a half-point favorite on the road. Albert Wilson, baby. Albert Wilson. What Ooh, a game he, he had. He is a quick one. Uh, I think it was Jason Leisure tweeted out that if you take Albert Wilson's two touchdowns out of uh, Brock Osweiler's game, he goes from a 94 quarterback rating to a 63. I know that sounds a ridiculous idea. If you take away his touchdowns, it gets worse, obviously. But on those touchdowns, he threw the ball, one, the first one to the line of scrimmage on a screen pass. And the second one, three yards downfield on a check down. So a combined three yards throwing on two plays. Yeah, but it felt like six. It really did. <laughs> well, when he has that long wind-up and stuff, you have to oh, factor yeah, that in. Big, that big arm coming through. And it's coming from a oh, higher yeah. point. You know, the, the oh, gravity yeah. speeds everything up. But exactly. um, no, Albert Wilson, like the first touchdown was phenomenal. The screen was perfectly blocked. But you get uh, a defender comes off, like it's 10 yards on field, so it's that time the defender, the cornerback, is going to come off the block at that point. He comes off, Wilson literally just fakes, go outside, goes past him. Something that anyone in the league can do, but the speed he does it at, he doesn't break his sprint. He doesn't stop at all. So he gets to the next yeah. level, he's got Eddie Jackson in front of him, and he just turns, and Eddie Jackson just falls over, and he's just kind of looking at him like, what the hell, what am I supposed to do? There's no way of me stopping that. And it's the same thing happened to Eddie Jackson on the second play, which is kind of rough for him because he was getting isolated in space against a guy who was just very, very quick. But Albert Wilson was phenomenal. He's been a massive upgrade there. He's a perfect fit for them. He's really good. Kenyon Drake obviously had that fumble on the goal line and then came back in overtime and was really big for them. The big concern is Brock Osweiler kind of sucked short the whole game. They just kind of got away with it because of the guys around him. But that also speaks to where the Dolphins are as a team right now, where they're good enough to win with a quarterback playing poorly. That's not always been the case. I know Ryan Tannehill's record over the last... 14 or 15 games that he started is phenomenal, but without him, they haven't been able to kind of do that. So I think I'm going to take the Dolphins. Uh, I would be pretty confident about this if Ryan Tannehill was playing. I'm not much confident about it with Brock Eisweiler there, but I think this Lions team sucks and I don't ever trust Matthew Stafford. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think I'm with you. I think the Dolphins at home should be favored against this Lions team. Have you not found even anything to... Have you not, I, thought, I thought you were looking for something to throw at me that, that would throw me off. You haven't found anything yet? No, I started looking at my fantasy team and I saw I've got like so many buys this week. I have no idea what I'm going to do. I mean, that will really endear you to the listeners, by the way, if you just start talking about your fantasy team. Well, week. look, I got, a, I got a decision to make between... I got to bench Aaron Rodgers. He's on a buy. I got a decision between Mariota and Baker Mayfield. I don't know what to do. I'd still start Aaron Rodgers. Still start him? You think he's going to get more points than those guys in a buy? I mean, right. he's Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I got all, I got all kind of like you know, I got to pick up a, a new kicker. All this, you know, I got, a, I got a lot going on. Interestingly, from this Dolphins Lions game, I think the perfect comparison for uh, Albert Wilson, like Albert Wilson, isn't the guy many people have watched. So if you haven't watched him, think Golden Tate. He does exactly the same stuff. Interestingly, though, the Lions Dolphins matchup to watch in this game is going to be Xavier Howard and Marvin Jones, which are two of the best cornerbacks and wide receivers in the league. Not guys who are going to be celebrated a huge amount, but they're a perfect matchup for each other. That probably favors the defender more than it does Jones. But that'll be really interesting if Stafford can actually give them some decent service. That's a massive if. Yeah, I'd start, I'd start Mariota. Yeah, you'd be huge as if uh, Greg Zernlein was back this week because I then you know I don't have to pick up another kicker. Wait, don't they have Carlos yeah. Santos? Yeah, what's he gonna do? He's a, he's a prop. Yeah. He's a proper player. He's a he's a Brazilian soccer player. The proper player. He's a proper kicker. I don't like. Do you, do you not realize I don't like these American kickers who learn how to kick? Just grow up kicking the ball. You don't have to learn how you don't to like kick. Greg the, you don't like Greg the leg? No. What if I, You know what I'm going to do this week as we're, as we're talking? I'm going to come up with a nickname for every single kicker. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. You and I Top lead players. very, very different lives. Top players, kickers. All right. Let's see. What's here. <coughs> Number one kicker in, uh, in football right now is Jason Myers. 
this right? Yeah, Jason Myers. So, he'd be, so he'd be Jason Maynard Myers? No, no, no. Are you kidding me? No, 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 no. That's horrible. You know what we're calling him? Calling him the horror show. You know why? Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers. These are two killers. These are two horror movie killers. He's the horror show. I had a teacher you know what, years ago. You don't ago. see him taken out there? I had a teacher years ago who tried to teach us how to remember things. She was a, an Irish teacher, the Irish language that is. And she used to always say, all you need to do is find tenuous connections. And that is the most tenuous connection I've ever heard in my yeah. life. What about number two kicker, Brett Maher in, uh, in Dallas? Call him real time. Real time with Brett Maher. <laughs> That's awful. That's absolutely awful. I'm clutch, taking the Clutch dolphins. time with Brett Maher, maybe. Uh, all right, Minnesota Vikings at the New York Jets. Vikings are three and a half point favorites. The Jets, what a game against the Colts. Sam Darnold looks good. He does, but I think a lot of their success is based off the run game and based off their play yeah, designs. Sure. Like, he's been good, but he's been largely inconsistent too. Um, he's like, it's, this is going to be a tough, it's going to be an interesting game because the Vikings struggle with all those misdirection runs, the side, make, making guys move sideline to sideline, so it is a tough matchup for them. But the Vikings have also kind of figured out their issues over recent let's, weeks. Let's talk. Wait, let's talk about the Vikings real quick in their defense because obviously the whole Bills situation was bad. You know, they they've had some some like real clunkers. But do you feel like the defense is headed in the right direction? I think the Vikings' big issue was they got exposed by the Bills, obviously moving, moving those specific types of play designs, and then they had to play the best offense in the league on a short week. Not just that, an offense that will adjust to what you're doing. So. They did the same thing that the Bills did, a lot of play action, and it didn't just screwed them up. But this week, I thought it was interesting that uh, Eloka got to play a bit more because Sandeo was hurt. I hope that means Eloka will stay on the field more overall, and I think that will help them a lot. They just lost Mike Hughes, who was their first-round rookie cornerback, who I thought was really important for them. He was their one cornerback who can work laterally, who can work horizontally, who's comfortable in the slot. The other guys are Trey Waynes and Xavier Rhodes, who are long cornerbacks, who need to stay outside, who can't really move sideways comfortably, and it's why they've had mismatches all the time. So, actually, those guys are a big part of why they suffer from these horizontal misdirection plays. I think that Vikings defense is going to overwhelm a lot of teams. I don't think the Jets are them, but I also don't think that means Sam Darnold is this special quarterback. I think it's the design of the offense. I think that helps a lot. I think he's been good. He's inconsistent week to week, though. Uh, they've got Dan Bailey as a kicker in, in Minnesota. Call him Oakley. Call him the Oak Man. You know why? Because when I worked for Oakley, there was a guy that I worked with named Dan Bailey. Everyone's so, going to get that nickname. Everyone's yeah, going to exactly. like, you everyone, re- everyone remembers like, Dan you, Bailey. You have to explain to me. Sacramento. That's because I'm foreign. I didn't yeah, get it. You, right, you're a foreigner. You don't get yeah. it. And everyone remembers me working with a guy named Dan Bailey. So Well, they more Oakley. so remember Dan Bailey. They don't remember you working with him. They were, they sure. were, they were hiring Actually, Dan, Dan Bailey. Dan and I lived together for a year. We were roommates. I'm taking the Vikings minus three and a half. Yeah, I, yeah they should be able to kind of throw their weight around here. Uh, Carolina Panthers at the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles are four-and-a-half-point favorites. Eagles might be back on track here. Uh, side note, watched a bit of Eric Reid today because some dumbass Panthers beat writer trying to throw the... He, you know, he, did, he did a very, very thing that kind of gave it away. That was, oh, Eric Reid hasn't made much of an impact for the Panthers yet. I was like, wait, what? You're waiting for a deep safety, a deep-lying safety to make an impact. You're waiting for, what, six interceptions against, what, Alex Smith, who doesn't throw the ball deep? Yeah, that's kind of telling on yourself there, buddy. So yeah. I went through Eric Reed's game, and he played really well. He was clo- he, he was rotating a little bit with Rashawn Golden, who's uh, the safety. Rashawn Golden is his name, which is a weird name. G-A-U-L-D-O-N, rather than Golden. But he was, uh, he was rotating in and out with him in different series. He showed off the discipline you need to play as a deep safety. He tackled really well. He had a couple of really good tackles on Adrian Peterson in space. The interesting thing for me is, though... The Panthers want a great fit for him because he he's at his best. So Reed's one of these safeties who can play anywhere, but he's at his very best when he's playing in the box. He's at his worst, which is still good enough to be a starter in the league, when he's playing deep. And for some reason, like I guess the argument is he's more athletic than Mike Adams. But when they go to these single high safety looks, Eric Reed is the deep guy, and Mike Adams is playing in the box. So it's a little bit of a kind of a taking away from what Reed does, but overall he's played well. Uh, I actually like the Panthers. I think they beat themselves last week, and I think the Eagles are... I think everyone's kind of seeing the cracks in the Eagles at this point. They've struggled with their consistency overall. They obviously beat the Giants. The one thing is, though, when we pick these games, something we've both noticed is the teams with 10 days rest tend to do pretty well. So that's the one thing that's putting me off, and they're at home. I'm going to take the 4.5 points. I think it'll be a close game. 
Yeah, I'm going to lay the four and a half points. I'll take the Eagles because of that extra rest and that extra time to prepare. But I, lo- I love this matchup. This actually might be a very fun game in the afternoon. Oh, no, it's a morning game. Oh, never mind. It'll be a fun game in the morning. Wake up to it. Wake up to a little Eagle-Panther action. Think- what do you think? Do you think an Eagle could kill a Panther? Um, like Panthers are pretty damn big. They're really big, but the Eagles got that drop-down effect, right? Like, I, they can come from the sky. They can come from any angle. I just feel like Cam Newton would murder him. Like, I, I don't think there's a guy on the Eagles who could beat Cam Newton. Wait, what does that have to do with a Panther fighting an Eagle? That's dumb. <laughs> See, you just you made this conversation stupid. Like, that way we had a good conversation going, um, and I just... Okay, I but what would you rather? You... What would you rather? A Darren Sproles-sized Cam Newton or a Cam Newton-sized Darren Sproles? I mean, a uh, Cam Newton-sized Darren Sproles. That's another dumb question. You know what? You, oh, God. Move on. Next game. Oh, you're Houston Texans at your Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars are four-and-a-half-point favorites. <laughs> oh, they both, mine. Uh, they're both yours. You know it. Well, I know it. The listeners know it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think the Jaguars might beat up on the Texans a little bit after losing to the Cowboys somehow last week and Jalen Ramsey was very quiet. What What the hell happened to the Jaguars defense in that game? Uh, let's talk about it during the Cowboys matchup because I want it's, it's a little bit more about the Cowboys than it is about the Jaguars. But I think All the right. Jaguars are going to overwhelm them on defense and then they'll do enough with Blake Bortles on offense to win this game relatively easily, I think. Deshaun Watson is not playing to the level that people want him to play to, that they need him to play to. Behind that offensive line and with Bill O'Brien's play calling obviously doesn't help. But overall, they're just not good enough, and I think the Jaguars will win this relatively easy. Um, I don't know. The Texans do have some weapons. I don't. I just, I, you know, I get the Jaguars' defense is great, uh, despite what happened against Dallas. But if I got to pick Blake Bortles or or Deshaun Watson, like I'm just gonna, t- I think I want to take Watson in this case. I mean, Blake Bortles has beaten Tom Brady this year. That's your guy, Tom Brady, who you don't pick against the Patriots. Blake, Blake Bortles didn't beat Tom Brady this Your year. buddy, Tom. It doesn't really work when I give you the good players, does it? Like, you give me all no. the bad teams, and I give yeah, you, no, like, if, your guy, Aaron like, Rodgers. Yeah, how does that feel, guys, huh? You yeah, your guy, your guys, CJ Beathard, would have been a lot, a lot better. Hey, don't, don't disrespect CJ Beathard. Did you not see what he did Monday night? Hey, his name's not Beat Easy for a reason. Beat Easy sounds it's, wrong. Beat Easy, uh, all right. Uh, all right, I'll take the Texans and the points. I don't feel good about that. I, I, stay away from this game. Don't even watch this game. Nobody watched this game on Sunday. There, you've told them. Yeah. Uh, New Orleans Saints at your Baltimore Ravens. Ravens are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Uh, I think the Ravens overwhelmed the Titans because the Titans weren't built to adjust and attack that defense. What do the Saints do better than everyone else in the league? Adjust and attack defenses. It'll still be a tough one for them because... Like, that defense is so good. The thing about this defense is, you've got Weddle and Jefferson in working in the middle. The cornerbacks play pretty well outside as well. But you've also got CJ Mosey working underneath. And then Terrell Suggs in the front. Terrell Suggs might not be having his best production season. I'm not sure about his production. I have no idea off the top of my head. I just know I haven't seen him sack the quarterback a lot. So maybe he does have good production. But what I've seen from Terrell Suggs this year mostly is him making really, really smart plays. Him knowing where to be to, to disrupt the design of plays. And he's doing it over and over and over again. He did it against the Browns. did it against the, ten- did it against, did it against the Titans. But against the Sean Payton offense with Drew Brees, you're always kind of one step behind. So for as good as they are on the defensive line, on the linebackers, and in the secondary, Drew Brees is going to be able to pick pick them apart a little bit. Um, I think that's reflected in the Ravens not being a three-point favorite at home. So I'm going to take the Saints plus two and a half. Yeah, I'm going to take the Saints. I think they win this game. I think they actually win it pretty comfortably. I I just think they're the better team. I, I agree with a lot of what you said, but I think... Just their weapons, the way Drew Brees is clicking, the way they, they can run the ball with Kamara or with Ingram, like I and and they're coming they're coming off the bye week, right? Like I think they're just gonna be way too prepared for this. I also feel like with like everyone's a little bit concerned about Alvin Kamara right now because he had a, his first quiet game of the year. I know why you'd be concerned he had one quiet game. But it just because it coincided with Mark Ingram's return. Mark Ingram got a lot of carries in that game because it worked for that opponent. In this game, you don't want Mark Ingram running into that wall that the, the Ravens are going to create. You want right. Alvin Kamara working outside. Now, CJ Mosley's a phenomenal linebacker in space, but Alvin Kamara is still someone who is going to have an advantage because he's Alvin Kamara. So I would expect Kamara to have a big game, and I expect him to kind of power the offense home. Hey, we get to see. Did you see the picture of that uh, Taysom Hill? No. 
My God. He looks, he literally, like, type it into Google there, you'll get a locker room picture of him or whatever. But remember, you might not have seen that Jared Valdier picture a couple of years ago where he literally looked like the Hulk. Taysom Hill is a quarterback and he looks like the Hulk. He looks like a guy who belongs on the defensive line or at linebacker. It's, I can see why Sean Payton has played him so much. This is a giant man. Is that, that's Taysom Hill? It's a giant man. Yeah, now you should look for the Jared Valdier one because that one's even crazier. Um, all right, next game, the Dallas Cowboys at the Washington football team. The Washington football team is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Really? I suppose they're at home. Yeah. That's, uh, I guess that makes sense, they're at home. Um, okay, so how did the Cowboys beat the Jaguars? Biggest part of this game was that the Cowboys' the offensive line was dominant. Uh, rookie Connor Williams had the best game of his career to this point. Tyron Smith was outstanding. And the rest of the line held everything together. Zach Martin was what Zach Martin normally is. And Lyle Collins is pretty good, too. Uh, once you do that to the Jaguars' defense, it's easier to pick it apart because the Jaguars' defense is used to overwhelming people up front. The way the Jaguars' defensive line is built, it's not built with guys like Von Miller who bend the edge. Like Yannick Ngachu is, uh, is capable of doing it. But they're not short, quick guys. It's like, if you take the Atlanta Falcons defensive line, you've got Grady Jarrett, you've got Vic Beasley, you've got uh, Derek Shelby, you've got all these different guys who can play in space, and they call them like NASCAR packages or whatever they want to call them because they're smaller and they're faster. When you've got the Jaguars defensive line, you've got these monsters. Guys like Calais Campbell, like Malik Jackson, who just line up over you and overwhelm you. That was a perfect matchup, and I... I mentioned last week I had actually had the Cowboys picked originally and then I changed it just because I'm sick of the Cowboys and how bad they were and then they obviously show up to one week I give up on them. But the yeah, reason I had yeah, them picked originally was because of that matchup. When you have an offensive line that's capable of holding off Calais Campbell, holding off Malik Jackson, you will be able to go after AJ Boogie and, and Jalen Ramsey. Now, the Jaguars contributed to that too. They had a couple of blown coverages. They let Cole Beasley get open when they shouldn't have. He got open down the sideline at one stage on a crossing route where he was. That was a. I think that was probably Ramsey that broke blown that coverage because it was outside. But he, his touchdown, his second touchdown came when he was left open underneath. His first touchdown came when the defense only rushed two and dropped two defensive tackles in the space. So Dak Prescott just stood around and waited and waited and waited. Brought his eyes from the right side to the left side, moved around in the pocket to move the coverage with him, and then found Beasley wide, wide open. So. The Cowboys were kind of built to attack the Jaguars' defense. Oh, 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 the other thing I need to mention before I move on from that. The Dak Prescott ran for something like 90 yards, so they were actually using him in the, in, in the design of plays, which is a big part, but he was also much better as a scrambler this week because he got that protection. There's still a lot of problems there, but they can be better. The play calling still needs to grow and evolve from what it is. So after all that, I think it's going to be a really, really close game. I think Washington knows how to play this offense better than the Jaguars know how to play the offense. Like, actually, if we go back to that just... Last year, the Jaguars' worst game on defense was against the 49ers, a team they hadn't played. So, again, it's a coaching thing there where they have all the personnel, but they don't know how to adapt to offenses they haven't seen. Washington has seen this offense over and over and over again. So you're kind of betting against, does that offense work against this defense against, does Alex Smith play well enough for Washington to win? I've watched Alex Smith, I know they beat the Panthers, but I've watched him over recent weeks, and I just, he's not doing enough for me. So I'm going to take the plus 1.5 for the Cowboys, even though I think the offense will struggle again this week. You take the Cowboys, I'll take Washington, because you took the Cowboys. Los Angeles Rams at the 49ers. Rams are 10.5 point favorites against the 49ers. Come on. 7-0. I'm taking the 49ers plus 10.5 just because I think they'll score. But let's talk about Samson Ibukam. Ibukam? 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 Samson Ibukam. Ibukam. This might yeah. be the guy you were talking about in preseason. I don't remember because I don't really listen to you and you couldn't pronounce his name, so you didn't actually say his name. Um, wow. You, you literally said to me, I can't pronounce this guy's name. How am I wrong? Samson Ibukam. Yeah, you can't know. Did you couldn't back fit. Yeah, you've obviously grown as the season has gone along. You've Here's been... where I'm concerned. Here's where I'm concerned. Uh, I think Cooper Cup's out. I think he's hurt. He looked pretty bad. So I'm pretty sure they'll it survive. Takes away a weapon. They have takes plenty away a there. He's probably he's probably the least important part of that offense, if we're being honest. Mm, I don't know about that. That's why he gets so many catches. They've got to focus on everyone else before him. He's good, obviously, but he's a slot receiver. Like without without Brandon Which Cooks. Which makes him very valuable. 
without Brandon Cooks, the field is closed off there. Without and Robert Woods is their primary possession receiver. So Cooper Cup is really good. He gets preferable matchups because the other because they have to focus on the other guys though. So he's Josh Reynolds can replace him. You can replace him with Gerald Everett using him more as a tight end, and you can just probably give the ball to Todd Gurley five more times than normal. That'll probably work too. But Abukam, 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 I can't say his name. You can, there you go. So that guy really stood out to me against the Broncos. Um, was going against Garrett Balls, who is a talented left tackle, even though he's young and a little bit inconsistent. And he showed off the kind of explosion and penetration, and just not even penetration, just the ability to kind of push the offensive tackle back into the pocket and get that little bit of pressure that they haven't been getting off the edge consistently. I really like to look at him, and he's going to be someone to watch moving forward because once the Brams get to the playoffs, these individual matchups are going to matter more. They're, going, they're not going to be able to overwhelm teams the way they have to this point. Other thing I took from last week's game. The Broncos got more pressure than other teams did against the Rams. Didn't still didn't get overwhelming pressure. Still didn't get the kind of pressure that other teams see regularly. And Goff's accuracy pretty much plummeted from that. He was still did enough for them to win. But once you got that level of that tiny level of pressure on him, you could see the difference in his game. So if defenses are watching, like this is a game where I'm so annoyed at John Elway. Like I, th- I don't know if we talked about it, but prior to the year, I talked to off the ball the show I do in Ireland about it's really hard to find NFL teams with good defenses and good offenses the Broncos could have been one if they had a proper quarterback and that's why that game was so frustrating but with that defense they were able to contain the Rams largely like obviously Gurley went crazy and they eventually did win the game but you saw the kind of blueprint is there to actually contain the passing game a little bit so you might have a little bit of a concern and I'm taking the 49ers plus 10 and a half but I don't expect the 49ers to win they're gonna get smoked I mean, look what they did. On, like, how can you not be impressed by them? Oh, against the amazing Packers defense and all those weapons the Packers have for Aaron Rodgers to throw to. Oh, absolutely. Okay, yeah, so I don't here's know the key. how they kept that game close. <laughs> I mean, Jimmy Graham and Devontae Adams are playing. By the way, Jimmy Graham and Devontae Adams, who I had a bet on, uh, would both have at least 100 yards, 25 to 1. Thank you very much. Paid for my trip to yeah. LA. Um, That's great. Uh, I remember when Jimmy Graham was good. I remember that. That was a couple of years ago. Before he went to Seattle and Seattle didn't know how to use him. Yeah, he's still pretty good at this point. The Actually, I do want to talk about that 49ers game because you kind of saw there where Kyle Shanahan just, like, when you're in a Kyle Shanahan offense, the defense doesn't really matter. It's, it's about if the quarterback is going to beat himself. Yeah, and they have no wep- they have no weapons and they don't have a quarterback. Like, but the system's good. Yeah, well, Marquis Goodwin has actually developed to become quite a good receiver. He's o- he's okay. Yeah, I think was it his touchdown? I can't remember if it was his touchdown, but it, it set up. Uh, it either, it, he either reached the pylon or it set them up short, close to the goal line, where he ran. Uh, he started on the left side of the field and he ran what looked like it was going to be a post route, breaking inside, and he beautifully shifted his weight and shifted his feet and turned back outside for a corner route, and the, the cornerbacks on the other side of the field falling over. And the beauty of it is, by that point in the game, uh, Kyle Shannon had already sent Marquise Goodwin on a post route, an in-breaking route, and a crossing route, as far as I know. And so he gets Marquise Goodwin to set up his route in the exact same way as all those three routes, and the cornerback's thinking, oh, he's doing the same thing he's done three times already, and then he breaks back outside. And the tendency, the understanding of tendencies, and the understanding of sharp, well-run routes, and the value of play action, that's how Kyle Shanahan gets the success. And that's what he's going to do against this Rams defense. And I know that you like the Rams and you love the Rams because of the offense, but the defense still is not great. And you're going to get George Kittle against yeah, those se- linebackers. The, the secondary is a problem. The secondary is a problem right now. Like Marcus Peters is getting smoked out there. Like he's, he's getting smoked. I think I think they're still right to keep him on the field though, because like you, your backup cornerback is probably going to get smoked too. Yeah, well, when, oh, I mean, he's getting smoked. Troy Hill's getting smoked. Sam Shields isn't consistent enough. Uh, Nikel Roby Coleman's not doing enough. Like, I, I mean. John Johnson's been their probably their best defensive back since Akeem went down, and and even he, like he got smoked on that touchdown last week. Like I mean, they're they just have so many inconsistencies right now. They're they're hoping the front seven can can fix everything. I didn't realize you and Tlaib were on first name basis. That's my guy. That's that's your guy. You go yeah, snatching, we're good friends. You go snatching chains together. Yeah, we're good friends. I mean, you guys we seem both, like we, you, we both hate Michael Crabtree an equal amount. You you guys seem like you have similar personalities. To be fair, yeah, we. I mean, we really do. We're basically the same person if you take away his uh, his success and money and athleticism and athleticism, right? And although still contain, I still maintain that I am one of the more athletic people at the athletic. Yeah, again, like being more athletic than Ethan Strauss is not really saying much. I don't know. 
Count them up. I assume you're taking the Rams. Oh, yeah, of course. What are you doing? This, just, the, the, I, this 49ers team. Okay, what, what does this point total have to be for you to take the 49ers? It'd probably have to be 13. I mean, so you're rolling your eyes at me for three points. Bengals at the Chiefs. Chiefs are five and a half point favorites. Those mighty Kansas City Chiefs hung with the Patriots. Almost pulled off a victory. <coughs> really, Pat Mahomes was very shaky at first and then finally got it together. But uh, this Bengals team, welcome back, guys. Like, I really, like, I was a little worried that we'd never see the Bengals again. That they were just, you know, they were going to become this non-Marvin Lewis team. And then, oh, boy, did they show their true selves to come back. And just, oh, it's so nice to have Cincinnati back with us. They're four and two. Yeah, I bet I bet they'll be super good. I bet they'll be great. Make the playoffs, win a bunch of playoff games, probably be in the Super Bowl. That's gonna be fun. Um, <laughs> you, have Joe, you have Joe Mixon carving up the entire the entire defense. It's like, oh, we'll give it to him eleven times. Great idea. <laughs> Did you see his excuse for not for for punting on fourth and one? No, I didn't. He was asked, uh, why did you punt on Fort and one He said, we didn't want to give them the ball back in that area of the field. And he said it in such a way of, oh, that's disrespectful to even ask me. So I was like, you think I was going to give them the ball back in Fort and one at that part of the field? It's like, yeah, but what if you, what if you, what if you used your, your running back who's getting six to seven yards of carry? What if you got him to go one yard? That's possible. Or just like throwing the ball and let the AJ Green or something like that. Right, let AJ Green catch it with his, catch it with his elbow or something. That dude is pretty good against Artie Burns, who didn't know what he was doing on the field. Um, Ooh, I like, you know who I like? I like this Tyler Boyd. I like the fact that you've run out of kicker nicknames already. Uh, oh, no, I got, I got all kinds of kicker nicknames. Go ahead, I'll get one. So, first thing, we're just going to touch on it quickly. The Chiefs should feel really good about that Patriots game. It's your first loss of the year. doesn't matter. You lost on the road. You didn't play all that well, and you were still right there at the end. The Patriots had to play close to their best game of the season just to hang with you. That's how good that team is. But, Bengals' point of view. So... I was really interested in this final drive of the game. Obviously, the Bengals win. It's a huge step for them in the division. They're probably going to be right there with the Ravens. The frustrating thing, if you're a Bengals fan, Roethlisberger opens that drive, second play of the game, I think after a short run, uh, or a short miss, can't remember which. He throws the ball downfield. He's looking for Justin Hunter, running a nine-round deep down the sideline. Drake Patrick turns around, stumbles as he's turning around, and then can't catch the ball. Justin Hunter comes over his head and knocks it out. If Drake Patrick stays up, he has a very easy interception right there. That ends the game. None of this other stuff happens. But then, Roethlisberger finds Juju Smith, who makes a phenomenal catch on a poorly thrown, overthrown ball outside. Roethlisberger misses two throws, one wildly to, I think it was to Smith again, two yards downfield on a crossing route. So to get them to third and ten, you feel like, hey, this is over. You, you can stop him now and you've got the game won. On third and ten, Roethlisberger escapes the pocket to the right, looks for Juju Smith-Schuster again. He's open downfield, overthrows him. That's it, you've got him to fourth and ten, this should be easy. No, there's a holding penalty on Drake Kirkpatrick. So Kirkpatrick held Antonio Brown away from the play. play it really didn't matter, and he kind of gave him, he gave him a free first down, so I send a Drake. So Roethlisberger makes a good throw to Juju Smith, sets him up in field goal range, and then you get the controversial play. So Brown's touchdown is him in the slot tight to Justin Hunter, Hunter is on the line of scrimmage, defenders in press coverage, one yard past the line of scrimmage. Hunter establishes himself, blocks that defender, but he's one yard, he's less than one yard downfield. So that means it's legal. So Brown catches the ball, runs downfield, no one in the middle of the field to stop him, touchdown, game's over. Bigger issue there for me is the defensive play call. You can't go to a seven-man blitz, a cover zero blitz. I get that you I get the thinking behind it, you want to get them out of field goal range because the field goal wins it for them as well. But it's too easy for these quarterbacks these days. It's too easy when you've got a great wide receiver. If you go cover zero, Antonio Brown is one-on-one. Like, even if you don't get that pick play, Roethlisberger knows where he's going with the ball and he knows he's going to get a completion because he's got Antonio Brown. Even if you don't do that, even if you go a six-man rush and you kind of help coverage to Antonio Brown, Smith-Schuster's going to win his matchup too. So you've got to play and you've got to trust your defensive line. You've got to stay and just play a little bit more coverage. You can't be that crazy. I know it hadn't really worked to that point. But it's a better way to go down because the cover zero just makes it too easy. Shock Marvin Lewis didn't figure it out. Uh, you want some kicker nicknames for these two teams? By the way, I'm, I'm saying these two teams. Are right? we calling? Are we call, Are we calling? Are we calling them kick names instead of nicknames? Kick names? No. <laughs> are you spelling that with a silent n? Kick names. Here's a kick name for 
for Harrison Butker. Harrison Butker. I don't feel like he needs a nickname. That's a great name. Call him the ass man. Call him the ass man. You missed Andy Reid has already given him a nickname. What is it? Buttkicker.com. Other one. Uh, hey, that's the most Rand- creative mind in the NFL there. So don't, don't, is you, don't it, you disrespect Is that him. the most creative mind in the NFL? I don't know yes, about it that. Is. Uh, Randy Bullock, we'll call him Miss Ki- Miss Kick Geniality. Miss Kick Ge- Randy Bullock sounds like Sandy Bullock, who was in Miss Congeniality. Miss Miss Kick Geniality. I'm gonna go with that. You know what my favorite part of these nicknames is? As soon as you say them, I just get it. I know exactly what you're doing, and like it, it doesn't need explanation. I'm taking the Chiefs minus five and a half. Yeah, lay the points. Chiefs are too good. Um, all right, Monday night. That's Sunday night football again for the Chiefs. I'm gonna get bored of yeah. all these touchdowns. Oh, you're gonna get bored of the touchdowns? No, we gotta put them on as much as possible. I am a hipster who did not really enjoy that Patriots Chiefs game, to be honest. What? That um, was such a good game. It feels like college football where there's just no defense being played. Sometimes offense just matters. All right, just that defense. All right, yeah. Have fun watching that great defense in Jacksonville get lit up by the Cowboys. Well, oh, let's play some defense. New York Football Giants at the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons are six and a half point favorites. Ooh, this Giants team is rough. This Giants team is rough, but it's also faced a really tough schedule. And going back to their games, they've actually been closer to winning than most teams than you would think. Like they've been better than you think. I know everyone wants to shit on Eli and shit on the Giants for picking Saquon Barkley, but I do think they're better than the actual coverage of them right now. They obviously got blown up by the Eagles. That was just an awful, awful, awful performance. This Falcons team can score, but it can't stop anyone. And maybe this is when Odell Beckham has his first, hey, he's Odell Beckham crazy game of the year. He goes for 260 yards or whatever it is. But they all, the middle of the field there is going to be wide open for Sterling Shepard. You're going to see, I would think, Eli throwing the ball 35, 40 times and actually being able to throw from cleaner pockets. I know Grady Jarrett's really good, Vic Beasley's really good. But because the coverage in the back end is going to be so bad, they're going to be able to get the ball quicker than they have over recent games. So... I don't trust Eli, obviously. I think he's washed up, but I know it's a road game. I probably wouldn't pick him to win outright, but if you give me six and a half, I'm going to take the six and a half with the Giants. I should also note, I've been absolutely terrible picking games lately, so this is obviously wrong. I'm going Falcons. I'll lay the points. There you go. Falcons Falcons should light them up. Because, all right, this, this is a dumb question. How big of a difference is there between the Falcons' attack right now and the Eagles' attack? And I'm not just saying this because they're two bird teams. I'm saying this because, like, look at what the look at what the Eagles did against the Giants, right? Why can't the Falcons do that or worse? I mean, or or make it worse for the Giants? Like, why can't they do that or surpass that? They can. It's it's the other side of the ball. Like I think it'll be sure, a, it'll be sure, a high scoring yeah. game. Uh, obviously not. Obviously not the same defense as what the Eagles can throw out there. But this Giants team, like they, Eli Manning has no time. Can you tell I'm distracted because I just realized we should do these top bottom middle team things again, and I've done it the last few weeks without having the actual we'll, teams in front of me. We'll get it. We'll get to that when we get to that. Which is, which is right now because we finished picking games. Okay, we're oh we're done with these games. Did I click it? Did I submit my picks yet? You forgot we have bye weeks now, so guys are out. Oh, who the, who's on a bye? The teams who weren't involved in any picks we made. Awesome. Good good analysis. Uh, all right, let's go top three, middle three, bottom three. We'll start with the bottom three. Who is your worst team in the National Football League? I mean, we, we kind of have to go with them, don't we? The Oakland Raiders. Who else would it be? Yeah, it's, it's the Raiders. That's the worst team. And which, I mean, warms my heart. That the commitment to excellence is excellent at being the worst team in, in football. I Maybe do. that's what they meant this whole time. They, I mean, they're just a dog shit team. It's a dog shit organization. They have no idea what they're doing. What, they're, uh, once they get to Vegas, it's going to clean up? No! Then John Gruden's going to be even more distracting. You don't think he's going to be at the Baccarat table all the time? You don't think he's betting green double zero on a roulette table at all times? You don't think he's hitting on a 19 with a 10 showing from the dealer? You don't think he's doing any of this stuff? He's probably paying, playing penny slots but not doing the max bet. He's just doing the one penny. So if he actually hits the jackpot, he's going to get like $13. Like John Gruden has no idea what he's doing with any of this stuff. He's terrible, and they suck. The whole team sucks. Derek Carr, not good. Receivers, oh, you're going to get a first for Amari Cooper? That would be great. Maybe you can get a receiver with that. Maybe he can even be good as Amari Cooper. Jared Cook, not good anymore. Like, he's had two good weeks, and the West, rest he's just been terrible. This team sucks. Like, Marshawn Lynch deserves better than this crap. 
Has anyone ever gone to Vegas and cleaned themselves up? <laughs> I don't think I'm that's sure happened in lot, I'm time. sure there are a lot of dancers that have done this. Oh, no, I think my dog's going to start barking in the other room. Um, Oakland Raiders, wait, 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 uh, wait, wait, yeah, let's, they're, let's, they're the worst team. Let's, let's not move past the Raiders for a second because you reminded me of the Amari Cooper trade talk. So this is interesting to me because Amari Cooper is better than people realize. He had some drops. He had a couple of plays that people called drops that weren't actually drops. They were poorly placed balls by Derek Carr. Derek Carr's terrible quarterback. So uh, the idea of giving a first-round pick for him is crazy. The idea of being a competitive team giving a second-round pick is not. If you put him on the Carolina Panthers, that's a big upgrade for them. Yeah, that's huge. You could put him on... I'm trying to look at through, look into your teams right now. The Titans season is probably kind of over at this point, but if he was a part of that Titans offense moving forward, you'd feel really good about him. The Bears are another team who could use someone like that. I know they don't necessarily need him, but he would be a good addition to what they have. Um, outside of that, there are probably... Actually, one of the ones that interests me... I know Trey Smith's there. I know Cameron Meredith's there. I would love to see Amari Cooper wind up with the Saints. That's an offense that's going to use him brilliantly. Wow. Yeah. It, it's got, but the other thing about it is he gives the Saints something that they don't have right now. They have Michael Thomas, who's phenomenal, who can do everything, sure. They have Ted Ginn, who's been hurt, but who can also be a deep, be a deep he's shot. He's my, he's my hype man, all right? You're gonna, he's you're, at the other room barking at the mirror. I already know it. I already can tell because this is what he does. Every once in a while in the afternoon, he just goes in the other room and he barks until I go in there. And then he'll jump on the bed and he'll like run away from me and try to play. And the whole time, he's just being like, listen to him. You're giving out to your dog for loving you. All he wants is to be with you. And, and I feel like... He was just with you. He was just... Two feet away from me, and he ran into the other room to bark. I feel like Here, he... you talk. I'm going to go get him. I feel like he learned uh, that barking at the mirror thing from you. Uh, it's probably something you do. Uh, I imagine you do it naked. Anyway, um, I think the Saints and Mary Cooper would work. Yeah, go get your dog. Wrong. Go get your dog. Right. You talk. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to like, give it a lecture here. All right. I think the Saints and Mary Cooper would work. Not because... They need him necessarily. Trey Smith's there. Cameron Meredith's there. Like I said, Ted Ginn's there as a deep shot guy. And Michael Thomas is there as someone who could do everything. But when you add Amari Cooper to that group, you give them a second receiver who can work every level of the field. Cameron Meredith can probably do that, but he's not as good as Cooper. The Saints have also shown with Ted Ginn, they will, handle, they will deal with some drops. He's literally carrying the dog. They will, deal with some, <laughs> they will deal with some drops. And if they put Cooper in the right positions as a complementary piece to Michael Thomas rather than the focal point, that should help him as well. He's a big play option. He's a guy who can be using Yaku. He's a guy who can stretch the field and get him behind the defense, who can catch intermediate passes and carry them downfield further for great big plays. The Saints are kind of going all out right now trying to win games. The one thing that will put them off is they already traded away a first-round pick next year for Marcus Davenport. Outside of that, if it comes to, if the price comes down to a third round pick, it feels like a great fit for them. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with me? You talking to me or the dog? Yes, the dog. Okay. Yeah, he's a- being a dick. Second worst team in the league, Arizona Cardinals. You hate the Cardinals so much that you put them worse than Nathan Peterman's Bills. They're not good. They have the same quarterback. <laughs> that, felt, that felt like that felt like a hot take. That felt too hot. That, that felt was, like a reach. That was too much. Yeah, that was too much. So, wait, you have your lovely... Actually, never mind. It's, it's about the same. I was going to say you have your lovely point differential that you love, but they're minus 57. Oh, look who's looking at numbers now. That's huh? why I have the actual teams in front of me. <laughs> I, yeah. took, I had nothing. <laughs> um, all right, so the Buffalo Bills are the second worst, and the third worst are... You go, because I'm stalling. Uh, I've got third worst as the Buffalo Bills. Just pick the Cardinals. They're not any good. Why are you pretending that they're not the third worst team in football? I mean, you could put the Raiders again. They could be the worst and the third worst if you want. But it's the Cardinals. What are you doing? What are you going to throw the Colts in there? Are you going to throw the Broncos in there? The Giants? Cardinals. Wow. I'm glad that suspense is over. You picked the, you picked the second worst team as the third worst team. Amazing. All right. Middle, middle three. Who are your middle three? Who's number 17? I think I had the Titans here last week, didn't I? They probably yeah. drop, they have to drop after this week. Um, I'm going to go to Jacksonville Jaguars. Ooh. Which is a, a fairly big... Like, so here's the interesting thing. We all talk about the Cowboys like they've been awful this year and like their season's falling apart. They know the same record as the Jaguars. Yeah. I'm going to go uh, Carolina Panthers. What? Yeah. That's a terrible pick. Why is that a terrible you pick? Should be they should be higher? Yourself. They yes. should be higher? Yes. Based on what? Based, Based on, on what? Point of fragile, obviously. My lovely point of fragile that I love. They're... Plus seven. Yeah. After five games. 
They can't win on the road. I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers as the 16th best team in the league. That's ridiculous. How was that ridiculous? Oh, with the 17th team or 16th? Six, wait, what'd you pick? 16th. Wait, what'd you? A 16th. Okay, 16th team. Wait, uh, it's not. Pack. It's not ridiculous at 16, but it is at 17. Yeah, I'll go Green Bay Packers. The team with Aaron Rodgers. And and. Four truckers who are trying to catch ba- catch football from you him and a basketball li- player at tight end who can't play anymore. They could literally have four truckers and he would still win games. You can win games at 16. <laughs> I'm guess. It's to you. Who's the 15th? Who's 15th? It's to you. It's to me. All right. Uh, let's go to the AFC. I'm going to go with... Ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins. Hater. I'm gonna go uh, with the Dallas Cowboys. Miami Dolphins, four and two, minus fifteen on the season. Four and two, and one of those wins without their starting quarterback. They are a good team, and you just can't take it because you're a hater yes. and you hate everything you do with Miami. No, I love Miami. Great city. I'd like the Dolphins to be good. They have Brock Osweiler as their quarterback. Ryan Tannehill's coming back. Let's not let's yeah, not get him. He'll never be back. He's never gonna play again. Uh, the I'm surprised you're not going with the hot take of Brock Osweiler being better than Ryan Tannehill since he has such oh. a good box score this week. It's ridiculous. I've seen him quarterback before. Like no one thinks he's good. I mean, there's a lot of people who have told me he's good over the years. John oh, Elway tried to give him 90 million dollars. So let's realize that's another reason to say John Elway is terrible. By the way. All right, top three. Let's see if the Rams finally make it into your top three. Um, I mean, I'm going to take them and put them back in this because we've kind of ignored them for a while because they've struggled. I'm going to go to New Orleans Saints. Ooh, okay. I don't mind that. I think they're coming back. I'm going to say, ooh, I think we may end up having the same top three. Is that boring? I was going to put the Bears in there, but I think you're right. I'm going to go Saints at number three. Let's just both. Well, we both have the same top three. Saints at three, Chiefs at two, Rams at one. Boom. Podcast over. Bucks for me. Yeah. I mean, the Rams are the best team in football. I don't think it's particularly close. You ruined my plan of putting the Houston Texans first and having you just lose your mind. Houston, Texas. You don't believe in any of those guys except for DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, I should have picked a team I kind of like, shouldn't I? Do I like any teams? You should, should put the Dolphins. You should put the Dolphins in there. You love the Dolphins. I know. If I was going to put the Dolphins there, I would have put them one. Just to you love the Dolphins, and the Dolphins and Ravens. Ravens? I love the Ravens. That's a, that's no, nice God, you don't stop talking about them. They've been interesting defense. I'm sorry. My apologies for talking on this podcast of talking that we do. Jesus, we've been going for an hour and 15 minutes.